0: You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and the skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to The Boutique with Collective 54, a podcast for founders and leaders of boutique professional services firms. For those that aren't familiar with us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community to help you grow, scale, and exit your firm bigger and faster. My name is Greg Alexander, I'm the founder and I'll be your host today. On this episode, we're going to discuss organizational structure. And this is a very important topic for boutique pro-serve firms because we are people businesses. And how you organize your labor dictates a lot of things, such as your profit margin, your client satisfaction scores, your employee engagement scores, et cetera. So it's a really big subject, and we've got a great member to be our role model today. His name is Jeff Pedowitz, and he has a company called The Pedowitz Group. And uh, Jeff's with us today. Jeff, how are you doing? And please uh, introduce yourself to the audience.
1: Thanks, Greg. Definitely glad to be here. Hello, everybody. So I am Jeff Pedowitz. I am president and CEO of The Pedowitz Group. Uh, We build digital revenue engines for our customers so for all of those businesses out there that are constantly trying to drive revenue in the digital world, that's what we specialize in. Uh, we do strategy, technology, and execution in an end-to-end shop.
0: Okay, very good. So Jeff, the reason why I asked you to be on the show today is that uh, your firm has scaled to a very nice size. You've been at it for a long time, and uh, you're on the journey now of restructuring organizationally and leveraging different talent pools and I would love to maybe start off at a high level and have you explain to the audience you know why you decided to come up with a new organizational structure what led you to that and then we can dive into you know how you went about determining what the right approach was for you.
1: Sure well I wouldn't necessarily call it new uh, because I've had the relatively same hierarchy in place for a while. You know, we've promoted some people, moved some things around. Uh, but one of the things I started doing a few years ago was really developing a core team around me uh, and delegating a lot of the, the day-to-day responsibilities, including sales. So today I have a full executive team. I have a chief revenue officer, I have a marketing person, I have a chief strategy officer, chief financial officer, chief services officer, and they are all essentially running the business. I'm, I'm providing the guidance and the leadership and the, and the vision but I can step away, you know, they can run the business now. They have all the tools to do so. So that was really an important part of our scale uh, It was really getting me out of that entrepreneur day to day where everything had to run through me. We still be dealing with some, some legacy issues in that regard, The right? uh, people have been working together for a long time, uh, but we've really turned a corner on that. Uh, so you'll be, even before the great resignation hit, uh, because we work with technology, uh, our resources are in high demand. I mean, for years, they've been heavily recruited. They command very high salaries and a premium. Um, and up until last year, we actually had very, very low turnover. Uh, we were running about 5% per year, which in the consulting advertising uh, industry, that's fantastic. Yeah, see,
0: that's best in class for sure.
1: Yep. Uh, but last year caught up with us. <laughs> so, you know, last year we, in our services team, we, we ran at about 40% mm-hmm. of turnover. And most of that was just, Great resignation combined with um, some of the bigger technology vendors who are also our partners like Salesforce and Adobe were paying ridiculously high salaries, things that even at our size, we just could not compete with and we were already not paying our people very well. So um, while we certainly have, I would say now year over year, our average salaries have increased 30% from where we were a year ago. As you know, Greg and professional services, I mean, we're, than marking up the labor, right? So you know, even let's just say a 50% gross margin, we want to just double the, the salary and the load cost. Well, I've had a resource last year that was making a hundred thousand and my client was paying me 200,000. Okay, I increased them to 130. Maybe they'll pay 260, mm-hmm. right? But, but they're not going to pay much more than that. And they're not going to pay uh, 300,000 for the same person that was doing the same job. Now, if we redesigned the services and, and added more value, of course they would. So it's a a matter of we're trying to rebuild the plane Mm -hmm. while while flying. I have existing working conditions. I have enterprise customers who are discerning. Mm -hmm. And they also know they can get the labor if they needed to uh, by going offshore. Mm -hmm. So we've had to retool and strategically rethink how we want our labor force to be. So what we decided a year ago was for the lower end type of work, the execution work, um, data management, reporting, research, uh, execution type of activities. We're gonna move those offshore. <clears throat> so we've been setting up resources in Colombia, And then we want the people that are here to be the architects, the strategists, the engagement managers, the account managers, the people that are very client facing to be very versatile. And we will happily continue to pay them even more money than they're making now because the value proposition will be there uh, and then we'll be able to kind of bifurcate. Um, so we'll be able to continue to mainly be competitive Pay, our, the pay the people that are really delivering value really, really well, even more than they're paying now. And at the same time, move some of the other labor that we're overpaying for, because we weren't able to turn that around and get value living out offshore. Mm-hmm. So uh, the net effect is we're already doing pretty well with our gross margin. We're running about 52%, but we should be able to get up over 60% by the, by the end of next year. And then we'll be able to take some of that free flowing capital, from the margin and reinvest it not only in the employees, but into additional sales and marketing that will fuel our growth.
0: Mm-hmm. Great story. Great rundown. And I have <laughs> so many things to ask you about. The first question I'll ask is, when dis- when deciding what is kind of high-end strategic work versus low-end execution work, drawing that line and then therefore determining what could be sent offshore, um, sometimes our members struggle with that. They, they tend to think that Everything is strategic. Even the tactical execution is super important and oftentimes it is. But sometimes the clients aren't willing to pay for it. So how did you draw the line between what to keep onshore and what to move offshore?
1: It was the very last thing that you said. Mm. It's it's what are the clients willing to pay for? Because mm-hmm. to me, it really doesn't matter what we think. The mm. client is what makes the market and it's the client who determines what the value is, not us. Mm-hmm. So if the client says, I'm only going to pay, I'm not going to pay any more than $50 an hour for email execution. Mm-hmm. We can think it's as strategic as we want to be. We can talk about deliverability. We can talk about all this stuff, but the client's still only going to pay us $50 now. Um, so we've, we've been able to get pretty good information from our customers and, and just seeing as the deals come in, what clients are willing to pay for or what they're not. Yep. Um, because we work with a lot of technology, we now support over 600. Mm-hmm. One rule holds true. For a new technology that comes out, like let's say it's some of the new ABX technology that comes out or things like Snowflake or, you know, merging platforms, clients will pay a premium for that yeah. for a short period of time, yeah. right? And, until they get up and running and, and then they view it more as a commodity, then they will then look to drive the cost down. Yeah. But for ongoing OPEX to support and maintain technology in their business, clients do not consider that to be strategic. Yeah. Architecture is strategic figuring out what systems to invest in how they should fit together how data should flow the business processes that match the technology that is strategic running and supporting the technology itself is not strategic
0: interesting and sometimes clients might not know but they think they know so they might say to you hey jeff i'm only willing to pay 50 when because it's not strategic but you know it is do you let the client stub their toe or do you do you speak up in that scenario
1: um I think it depends on the situation mm-hmm. uh, what what else we're doing with the client and, and it's a bit of a give and take yeah but I think there's a healthy we want to be able to respectfully challenge our clients and, and let them know you know ultimately we're trying to build a long-term relationship yeah and it's also about the people and the personnel that are doing the work even more important than the work itself mm-hmm. um, you know, in consulting, in such a relationship business. Actually, one of the biggest challenges we have is, you know, a resource gets assigned to that project and the client, they bond, right? And then yeah. they're working really well, but the client doesn't like it when that resource changes and yeah. moves to a different account um, because they become very attached and they're convinced that nobody else on our team could possibly do that, even though it's not true, but it's just that trust and that bond that gets built. So I do think that in so much, it's not just the type of service, it's the person and the skill and the value of your trusted advisor to your customer then the client will tend to pay more for uh, someone that they trust versus someone of course that they don't
0: yeah now once you decided what needed to be moved offshore there's a lot of choices there in lots of parts of the world um what part of the world did you choose and, and why did you choose it
1: so we dipped our toe last year so we started trying out different contractors in different parts of the world so india that's so definitely an area that we know, and, and we're still using it, but more as a partner. Costs are higher, but we know what we're getting. Uh, we work with some firms over in the Asia region, particularly in Cambodia, which is an emerging market. There's a lot of strong tech talent. Uh, the people are very good, but the time zone challenge was was difficult. Uh, we work with a lot of marketing teams in, in our business, and it's a little bit different than, let's say, IT projects. The, the collaboration is more in real time. It's not a follow the sun type of approach where we can start something, we send it offshore, they work on it while we're sleeping and come back the next day. The clients want to meet today, today, and in, in US time zones and collaborate. So we were having difficulties getting uh, the resources over in Cambodia to work on our time zone. The costs were fantastic. I mean, we're getting labor at 15 or $20 hours an hour, highly skilled, college educated, smart people, um, but not the time zone. Uh, we had been familiar with Columbia and the Latin America market for a while. We have a couple of our competitors that work down there. We've heard some good things. So we started looking into it. Uh, and then the more that we talked to different resources, we became more convinced that that would be a good market for us to enter into. Uh, it's bilingual, college-educated, good culture, hardworking, family values, which are very much in line with, with our approach and our value system. So, uh, but you know, this has not been without its challenges. Our original goal was to get this up and running in the first quarter of this year. Uh, we had a very good recommendation from, um, from one of our investors um, and, and he was gonna work full time for us. He had run, set up an 800 person shop down in Columbia over the last five years. So he was an expert down there. He mm-hmm. uh, you know, unfortunately I had a personal family situation. Mm-hmm. So he uh, had to opt out after just a week on the job. Oh. So that we were scrambling. Um, but we were able to, through our professional networks, we reached out, uh, people were great. We actually got eight referrals on different resources to use down in Columbia. We interviewed them all, uh, we selected one and, uh, we're now working with this partner down to set us up. So by the end of this week, we'll have our first two full-time people hired. Hmm. And our plan is to have 20 people by the end of this year.
0: Wow. That's an aggressive plan. And and did you decide to hire a firm and partner with a firm or did you decide to hire directly you know one at a time kind of thing
1: uh we split it uh so that we we are working with a firm called salvo consulting Mm -hmm. so s-o-l-d-o so they are basically doing all the recruiting and it's uh, they are technically managing all the employees They're their employees we pay them and then they pay the employees but the employees are fully white labeled. They're ours so they are not working for anybody else, <clears throat> but we don't have to deal with the benefits okay, or paying taxes in Columbia or doing any of those things. We pay them. However, we also have the option as we start to build up practice areas to convert any of these people into actual TPG employees at any time. Mm-hmm. So we thought this gave us the best of both worlds. It gave us expertise down in there and mitigating our risk at the same time. That way we don't have to set up a Latin America LLC we don't have to deal with paying taxes and doing all well of that stuff in the foreign government, but we still get the talent and the labor and the, the partnership and, and all the resources as if they were our employees. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was to check back in with me in three to six months oh, as we get this up and running because <laughs> it's still, it's still relatively nascent. And I certainly wanted to tell everybody that we've cracked the code. We're really just getting started on our journey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason why I wanted you on your show is sometimes many people need to be doing what you're doing, but they're not even getting started on the journey. I mean, um, Most of our boutique founders are in similar situations where they have clients that are willing to pay a premium for some services, but commodity prices for other services. And unless you get to some version of this, then you're going to have a tremendous margin squeeze and it could put the business at risk, especially in this uh, high inflation, high wage inflation, great recession environment that we're in. My last question, Jeff, regarding this particular avenue here is, you know, you said you got a bunch of people to go talk to, and you interviewed them all. Um, what did you learn during that interview process? Like, and what advice would you give to a founder who's starting on this journey about how to even know what good looks like?
1: Um, well, first of all, I was pleasantly surprised at the sheer response that we got, because um, <coughs> at the time that the person opted out was one of these things where I. At, the, at that moment I, w- I certainly was not an expert in uh, offshore labor or working with Colombia in particular uh, what, what are we gonna do? you know this is still really important where do we find resources so yeah I suppose it was a, a momentary, <laughs> uh, a situation where I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> um but I think like in the entrepreneur, like that faded pretty quickly because you're like, okay, but this is still the right decision for us. Let's move forward. Let's just start reaching out and asking for help. And I think one of the first things I was surprised, pleasantly surprised about was how much help there was just by asking the question. Um and, and I think that's one thing I've learned. I wish I would have learned this earlier in my career as a CEO, mm-hmm. how and when to ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I was alone a lot i made a lot more mistakes than i would have made because i didn't think that there was anybody i could turn to so having networks like collective 54 is great because i I realized there's a lot of people out there that can help Mm -hmm. uh you just have to be willing to ask the question and to listen yeah Uh, so um myself and my business partner who's my chief service officer we listened we took copious notes we interviewed uh, and then we learned that there's well we learned a lot (laughs) you know we learned first of all that much like the states, there are different ways to do this. You can go the PEO route, like an ADP. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hire direct. Uh, we learned about different um, parts of the country and what each country, not just Colombia, but different countries and what they brought to the table. <clears throat> I learned that there's four different taxing authorities within Argentina. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly complicated. Um, I learned are certain provinces to stay away from and certain not. Uh, and so, I mean, it was very very educational uh, over the course of two weeks and so ultimately you know given everything else that we have on our plate right now we decided going with someone that already knows how to do this and do this well um even though we're going to be paying a little bit more look if we were to go down and hire people directly in columbia ourselves we would probably pay them an average of 18 to twenty thousand dollars per year for the college graduated person that has similar skills to what we have here in the us that's maybe making 100 000, 200 000. Um, with the service we're using, they mark it up 30 to 50%. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still yeah. very, very cost effective. We're still going to be able to make great margin, but then they take care of all the headaches for us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very good. Awesome. Well, listen, we're out of time, but uh, on behalf of the membership, I just wanted to thank you for your contribution today. You know, the, the way that collective works is you got to contribute to the collective body of knowledge. And, and Jeff, you're always doing that. Today's another example of that. So thanks for being a great member and being here today. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. Okay. And for those that are interested in this topic and those like it, you can pick up a copy of the book, The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm. And for those that are interested in meeting great people like Jeff, founders of scaling professional services firms, consider joining our mastermind community, which you can find at collective54.com. Thanks.